You're listening to The Mom Inspired Show, episode 250 with Dorinda Wilson. Welcome to The Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Hey, you guys, I'm super excited for this replay with Dorinda Wilson. If you missed it the first time around, I wanted to air it this week because I'm going to have her back on the show next week to talk about her brand new book. And it's talking about having a four hour school day. And so I thought that'd be really cool. I think that for those of you guys who are really considering homeschooling um, to streamline it and have half the day to do whatever you want sounds truly amazing. So enjoy this episode. And if you know of people who want to do homeschooling, make sure to share this episode and tune in next week to hear all about having a four-hour day. I know so many of you guys are thinking about homeschooling because you want to travel. The world is opening back up. As you know, I'm a travel agent. And so I think people are just ready to leave and go on adventures, especially if they're homeschooling their kids. They want their kids to learn different experiences and different cultures. And I think it's a great way to learn. So um, I hope you really enjoy this episode. If you um, didn't hear it the first time around and make sure to tune in next week, I think it's going to be some great information and give you some ideas on how to structure your day and also to just give your family more time to do what you really want. Hey, you guys, before we jump into the show, if you haven't heard, I got certified as a life coach in July. Um, I started in January. If you heard me along my journey, um, it's been such a blast. And so now I am taking clients and um, I truly have been enjoying working with the clients that I'm working with today, Um, but I'm actually looking for a few more. So if you're looking to you know, change up your life. You're ready for a change and, you know, you want to stop worrying about what others think about you and start living your best life. This is where I come in and help you figure all of that out. If you're wanting to create a life that is bigger, better, and way more inspiring, or if you're just like ready to leave behind the self-doubt and excuses and self-sabotage, and a life too small for you, then you are in the right place. So if you're just thinking, you know what, I don't know if this is a good fit or not, I am doing free consultations. So all you have to do is email me at amber at mominspiredshow.com. And we can just chat. We can see if this is a good fit, if this is something that you really want to do. But if you're ready to make changes and and you want your life to look different, but you just don't know how to do that, then let's figure out what is preventing you from going after what you want, improve yourself confidence and just increase happiness and get you comfortable in your own skin. You know, the thing with coaches is what they do is they walk alongside you. They provide you the tools to really kind of figure out what you need to have the life that you really want. And so this is why I'm excited to help you guys. Like the reason why I became a life coach is to help all of you be on the podcast. So again, reach out at amber at mominspiredshow.com if you want a free consultation. Um, And I can't wait to meet you. All right, let's go to the show. Dorinda, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Amber, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I like to start every show with an icebreaker. I generally um, ask about travel just because I'm a travel agent. I love listening to where people like to go and their favorite vacations. Since we kind of are on a hold with traveling like we normally have, um, I'm going to switch things up. And I wanted to ask the question, what is one thing you wish you could tell your younger self? Oh, I think I would tell my younger self as a, a new mom to just relax and enjoy the ride. 
Yeah. I do feel like, especially as new moms, right. And, uh, mm-hmm. and moms with one child, um, I guess they could have more than one child. Like if they had twins or triplets or something, but first time moms, right. Like if they feel like they have to do everything right and, um, you know, never mess up and, and, you know, just kind of feel so stressed out. And I think the more kids you have, which we'll jump into this in a minute with you, um, you're, you're an expert on this, uh, having more than one child. Um, you probably saw that you kind of let things up as you went. Um, I only have two and I noticed there was a big change from one to two, like kind of just be like, Oh, whatever, you know, like if they're not hitting their milestones, like right at that time. And, you know, for me, my girls both walked late, like, Mm. and I was just kind of like, with the second one, I was like, well, I knew my first one eventually did walk. So <laughs> I'm like, I guess they just want to do it later. <laughs> um, so Dorinda, um, how about you share with us your full name, where you live, how many kids you have and their ages? Okay. I'm Dorinda Wilson. Um, I am married to Daryl. We have been married for 31 years. We have eight kids, ages 16, to 30, uh, five boys and three girls. We have six grandkids and another one on the way. And we live in Mount Airy, North Carolina. That's so exciting. Yeah. 33 years. Congratulations. That's, that's Thank awesome. You. And eight kids. I mean, that's, that's what I was <laughs> saying, but I didn't want to give it away. Um, that, uh, <laughs> I'm sure, I, I don't know. When do you feel like you, you kind of switched gears? Like what child do you feel like you were kind of like, okay, I really don't need to be this stressed out or, or worried or right, too concerned. Right. What, which one do you feel like that happened for you? Well, I think I was actually a fairly relaxed mom, especially in general, uh, in general yeah. just at, with, I was comfortable with babies and small children, but you know, when you get into, um, the school years and yeah. uh, all of that, then, then you start to, you know, kind of think, all right, uh, we got to make sure things are happening here. And, yeah. um, and then just, you know, kind of understanding, um, my kids and understanding just so much, um, about their, more about their development and just, you know, getting to know them and, and being willing to uh, let them be who they are. And, um, well, at the same time, you know, trying to walk that line of, of of being a responsible mom. So, um, so it it is kind of, it can kind of be a, a little bit of a, a, a tight wire to walk, but cause we always want to do right by our kids, yes. right? Yeah. Every parent wants to do right by their kids. And so you're always asking yourself that question if you are or not, but I would say probably, I think when I started to really get outnumbered, then it was like, okay, well, <laughs> I can either drive myself insane or I could relax. So yeah. I wouldn't even say that it was necessarily a choice. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. So, but it was, you know, I, each one, you know yeah. how it is. Each yeah. one, you just get a little bit more like, oh, it's all right. I'm not going to worry about it. You know? Um, yeah. So, yeah. I agree. Yeah. I do think that makes a big difference. And um, that's good. Did you always know that you wanted eight kids or that like more than less, yeah. I guess I should say? Yeah. that's It's kind of a joke that my husband and I have. We love to tell people this. Um, I wanted 10. Oh, okay. I did not tell him that though. Oh. I wanted 10 and he wanted two. And so we just tell people we compromise at eight. <laughs> we know who won. We know who won. <laughs> but you know what? I, I always think it's better like that it's the woman who wants more because she's the one who's carrying them, right? Exactly. Like I do think exactly. that would be a lot more challenging if it yeah. was reversed yes, because the yes. man's not caring. It's like, yeah, I want to have 10. You're like, yeah, okay. Well, right? how about you try carrying 10 Well, that's children? the funny thing is yeah. we would walk through the mall and yeah. people would give him dirty looks. 
Oh, like, you know, like, yeah. you did kids, this to her. I'm getting pregnant with the next one because the numbers four and five were like 17 months apart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they would give him the dirtiest look. And he's like, it's this wasn't my idea, you know. So I told him, I said, I, I'm going to get him a t shirt that says this was I wanted her to. Or, I wanted to. <laughs> Right. <laughs> oh, but he'll tell you now he is so glad. Oh, that of course. Yeah. And, you know, I always tell people we wouldn't send any of them back, although there were days. I'm sure. I There's would some. say, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll send that one back for just a little while at least. Just for a little. <laughs> yeah. I love it. That is so funny. Um, how about you share with us a little bit how you got to where you are today? And then it will make sense how, um, our, why we're jumping into what we are today. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure if I should give away at the beginning that, you know, we homeschooled our kids from the beginning, but um, yeah, now I'm, now I'm sure. giving it away. Yeah. Um, we, from the very beginning decided that we wanted to homeschool. And so we actually decided that before we had kids. Um, and so we, we, uh, you know, rolled into those years and started homeschooling and, um, you know, it, it, it was a lot, you know, I mean, we were in the trenches of, you know, raising and homeschooling our kids for many years. Um, and then as they started to graduate and leave home, um, my husband suggested that I write, um, a book, which I actually laughed at him when he said that, cause I thought he was totally kidding. Um, and I said, you know, what, what would I write a book on? He said, you should write a book on homeschooling. And I'm like, what? like there aren't enough books out there on homeschooling. Like, I don't, I don't think so. I said, besides no one's going to want to hear what I have to say. You know, our homeschooling was so simple and, um, straightforward. And I said, I just, I don't think anybody would be interested. And he said, that's exactly why you should write it. So I wrote this, what I call simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling called mm-hmm. the unhurried homeschooler. And, um, and in it, I just share our experience of, um, at that point, it was about 20 years of, of homeschooling experience and, um, just share about, um, slowing down and, you know, not, um, not rushing our kids into schoolwork too early and, you know, just taking time for relationships and things like that. So I wrote that little book and then that turned into, um, eventually I, I have a podcast and, um, and now I'm writing another book for Zondervan, um, that's going to be coming out in June. Um, and that's not as short, <laughs> but it's, it's got lots of great stuff in it and I'm excited about it. Yeah. You know, I wanted to ask you because I, um, I really loved kind of helping moms, um, you know, figure out those things that they might be gifted in and, um, really encouraging and inspiring them to go after those things. And obviously your husband, he saw that in you without you even seeing that. So, um, what made you go, okay, I can write this book. You know, once, once you got past, okay, he's not joking and mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to write it. Did you just start writing? No, and then I, actually it oh. took me a while. Okay. I, I, yeah, I do. I don't know. I think he's just being sweet, you know, and, and he, as all good husbands should be, but I didn't take him too seriously. But then I thought, okay, I'm going to pray about this and think about it. And so I did. And then one day I was at the public library and I thought, I'm just going to sit here and write down everything that I would want to tell a mom who is thinking about homeschooling or starting, or maybe is, has been, and is burned out. And, you know, maybe some things that I have to share can help lift her burden, you know, cause that was my thing. I don't want to put more burdens on moms. Like we have enough expectations we put on ourselves. We don't need someone else telling us you got to do it this way. You know, my encouragement is to do it in a way that works for your family. And so, um, I, I just sat down and started, you know, just sharing my thoughts. Like if I were sitting on the front porch with someone and, and I just said, Hey, I just, you know, I just want to, I want you to know these things. And so, 
I started to write them out and, and then organize them. And, and then I was like, well, you know, I think I actually have more to say than I thought I did. I mean, it was still only 65 pages, but, <laughs> but honestly, um, a lot of moms have been super grateful that it's a short book. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, cause I do feel like they, they don't have the time to just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sit down and read, you know, an encyclopedia. Um, so that little book would come in handy. So I'm curious right. if you have never thought about writing a book until that moment, you know, and your husband mm-hmm. kind of pushing you along. Um, how did you even go about it? Like, how did you even get it published? Like where, where did you well, even, where did you even I, begin with this? I self-published it. So, oh, you know, okay. my, yeah. my, mom, my mom was all like, Oh, I'm so proud of you for, you know, self-publishing a mom. It, it just means that if you have some, a little bit of money, you can, anybody can be an author, you know, like <laughs> you don't have to be great to self-publish, but thanks. I appreciate it. You know? So, um, so what I did was, um, I just, like I said, I wrote down my thoughts and, and then someone suggested, I was like on the fence, whether I should hire an editor or not. And mm. so I, um, yeah, so I've got a, a, some good friends that I know are smart. They can read this and tell me, you know, what I've done that yeah. or whatever. And it turns out that I got really good advice from somebody. They said, if you even think, he actually said, even if you don't think that you would ever be published by a publisher, you want to put out excellent work because you never know what could happen. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he said, so, and plus when you print something, it is out there for good. Yes. forever. And that's yeah. a reflection of your writing, of your skill or whatever. And um, it's part of your reputation. So he suggested an editor. <laughs> so then I'm kind of like, well, do you know anybody? You know, <laughs> right. Exactly. So he said, yeah, actually I do. And so he connected me with a, a, a gal who did my editing and she just, she was delightful to work with. I learned a ton, you know, cause I thought, oh, I think I'm a pretty good writer. And then, you know, the, the edits come back and you go, Ooh, yeah, yeah. I definitely, you're, there's always room for more growth. Of course. Anyway, she edited that. And then I found a person to lay it, do the layout and upload it all to Amazon. Cause that is not my cup of tea at all. Um, and, and so it, it created a cover for it and, and it just, it, it turned out great. And I was super excited and, um, you know, I just thought, you know, some moms will pick it up. It'll be fine. You know, you know, if, even if it helps five moms, I'll be happy. Well, guess what? That thing has sold over 25,000 copies. And wow. um, that is like multiple times more than the average self-published book. Yeah. And to me, that was just, you know, it was a God thing for starters. And then the second thing was that it just, it just happens that that message resonated with moms. And right. so, um, and then I realized, well, gosh, you know, you know, I do maybe have some more things to say. And so then I started the podcast and the blog and all of that. Um, and then about, um, a year and a half ago, I was with a friend, uh, Ginger Hubbard. She wrote, um, I can't yeah, believe she's you just on, She was just on my show yes. the oh, second yeah. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. She's great. I love her. Anyway, we have become friends over the last couple of years. And we were, I was at her house and she looked at me and she said, and this is the value of friends recognizing gifts in other people or a message in someone else and being willing to say it. And she looked at me and she said, I think you have another book in you. Mm. And I said, Oh, really? Is that okay? Tell me more. So she proceeded to tell me, you know, and, and she got me excited and she connected me with her literary agent and that's who I ended up working with. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And I ended up with a contract with Zondervan and um, very nice offer and yeah. And they've been great to work with. So yeah. So anyway, that is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so do you feel like they were, 
they took you on because you already self-published or do you feel like they took you on because you had a blog and a podcast? Like, what do you feel like made you or helped you do that? I guess. I feel like the first thing was that, um, my self-published book did so well. So I think yes. that was probably the number one thing. Yes, yeah, a testament. And mm-hmm. then after that, I would say um, I had a reasonably good following on Facebook and Instagram. Um, you know, it's not like through the roof or anything, right? But, right, but it's good know, enough. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I had a, a good. I have a good audience already, yeah. and a very loyal audience. And yeah. so that I think they looked at all of those things, um, and then the you know what I was pitching for an idea. Um, you know, you write the first two chapters and then the annotated outline and all of that, um, to tell them kind of where you're going with the book. And it was, and the title was really good. And so it's, it's called the four hour school day. And, um, at the time this was like before COVID, you know, so I had no idea a whole bunch of people were going to be, you know, would be considering it, you know? Yeah. So I'm excited about it. Yeah. You know, what's really interesting is, um, I just recorded a solo episode and I was talking about giftings and talking about what do your friends say that you're good at? So it is so funny that you said that Ginger noticed that in you and kind of pushed you. And that's exactly was my, that was my point that like a lot of times people can see that in you. And you can't see it in yourself. And first of all, it was your husband that was the first person to do it, right? And so actually the first person was when my children were all very small. I had a dear friend who said she'd only read a couple of things that I'd written. I don't know why she'd read them or how that happened, but she said, you have a a gift for writing. And I Um, thought, again, she's just being nice. Yeah. You know, and and then fast forward all those years, and my husband said that. So yes, yes, you know. Your point is so good. If someone says that to you, mm-hmm. especially more than one person says it to you, yeah. you should pay attention. Yeah. And I think that's worth noting because I think it's so easy, kind of like what you just said. You said, oh, they're just being nice and they're, you know, you're, and then you blow it off. But right. people, people generally don't just say stuff like that unless you're point blank asking them. And then you might think they don't want to hurt your feelings. But if they're kind right. of just offering that to you from... Mm-hmm. out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes. That's, that's probably what they're recognizing. So I think that's really cool because that is exactly what I was saying. Cause I think so many people think, Oh, I don't have anything to offer or I don't have any giftings or um, you know, I, I, I'm not different. And that was the other thing that I said in this episode is that um, you might think, and you said this, Oh, there's other people who do this. Like they don't need another book on homeschooling, but people want to hear from you. They want to hear from your perspective, your personality. And here you are. So that's really cool. So go ahead. Were you going to say something? Exactly. Yeah. I was going to say, I read a book called uh, a million little ways. I think it's what it's called by Emily P. Freeman. Oh, and she talks about, um, she talks about exactly that, you know, like even if you're doing this, this thing and it's, it's filling your cup and maybe nobody's reading your stuff for a while and mm. that's okay. You know, yeah. um, for me, I, I was here living the life for over 20, you know, over 20 years, homeschooling our kids and parenting and, you know, raising a big family and all that went into that. But there were so many lessons learned during that time. And I felt like it was God's way of preparing me to share valuable, um, valuable things, valuable principles and ideas with, um, other moms to encourage them because moms, we have the most important job in the world. And I think that 
it's so downplayed and so looked down upon. Um, but we're raising the next generation. Like we're, we're raising the movers and shakers of the next generation. And it's a long-term investment and it's, it's work, but it is so worth it. And what we really need along the way is as much encouragement as we can get. And that's what I try to bring to moms. Yeah. And I'm thinking you had 20 years like on the job experience. I mean, you know, so it's easy to think and blow it off like no big deal, but you had all those years and you had all those personalities within your children Mm -hmm. to kind of understand, you know, this works, you know, not just for one person, you know, right. you had all the different personalities. So, right. um, yeah, so this kind of, you know, I kind of went off on a rabbit hole, but um, I do think it's important because I think so many moms have so much to offer and it's so easy to think that um, someone has to already come from a really big following or whatever. And you just were like, I'm just going to self-publish. Right. And that's where you right. started. And so right. um, I just, I, I just like encouraging moms that, you know, take that risk. Right. And and Mm -hmm. it's okay. Like you, you're going to feel scared, but just do it anyway. And, um, so I like asking moms when they, when they kind of share those stories to kind of share the inside, uh, of the inside track of what that looked like and how they began to just get, you know, moms, like some encouragement, like, Oh, okay. She did that. You know, maybe I could do something and, um, use my talents. Um, but the main reason why I wanted you to come on, kind of like what you said, um, that we, are in a time that we are probably homeschooling more than ever. Um, and because people have decided maybe they don't want to do remote learning, they don't want to send their kids in school with the pandemic. And now they're going to be deciding do they want to keep continuing on with homeschooling. Some people that have are have sent their kids in, they're kind of like, you know what, I actually want to do homeschooling. I don't, I don't want to do remote learning. I want to have more freedom. Um, maybe they want to travel a little bit um, and just be able to take school on the road because now so many people can do working remote, right? So right. usually maybe the husband before wouldn't have been able to do this, but now that's something that's possible. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's changing up a lot of things and a lot of options for people. Um, so I wanted you to come on just to give us a perspective. Um, now that we're, you know, this is going to air in March, 2021. And I did a series like, um, in homeschool of homeschooling, um, just trying to figure out different things. If you felt confused and overwhelmed, because I knew so many parents back in the summer of 2020, people were panicking because they did not know which direction. So I was like, let's do a series. So I figured this would be good. We're in, you know, the winter of 2021 and let's just kind of, you know, see where we're at. So I wanted to kind of ask some questions and get your perspective, especially having eight kids. Um, and the first question is, why do you think homeschooling can and should look different from um, going to public schools? Well, I think there's a a small fraction of kids who do well in the traditional setting. Um, But overall, I think most kids don't thrive there, Um, especially boys. Um, We have, like I said, we have five boys and um, I really believe that homeschooling them was one of the best things we could have done for them. And, and they, you know, they agree as adults. So that's, that's always a good thing. Um, but you know, I, for us, um, it was just, we wanted to spend this time with our kids. We wanted to be able to fit 
um, our kids is learning to their unique needs. And um, that sounds maybe more complicated than it actually is. It can look as simple as, you know, the boys often, you know, they would do one subject and then they needed to go and blow off some energy. So they'd run around the house or they would go jump on the trampoline because, you know, jumping up and down resets the brain. And so they'd take that 15 minutes or whatever and do something else. And they were ready to come back. And, and then learning could actually really happen because if, when a kid is stressed, out, worn out, tired, their brain isn't functioning right. We all know this. We're not going to learn anything. And so this is what I love about homeschooling is we have the flexibility to change things up. We can change the order of the subjects that we're doing that day according to uh, whatever's happening that day. You know, um, we can, uh, like I said, have freedom to take breaks, uh, make sure that our kids get plenty of play, that they that they play outside and get fresh air. Um you know, instead of just being stuck inside all the time, recess is one of the, it is way down on the totem pole when it comes to, you know, the the traditional classroom setting that has been reduced and reduced and reduced. It used to be, there was quite a bit of recess time for right. kids because they, we knew that it was healthy for them to be running around and playing and getting fresh air and all of that. And we've just reduced, reduced, reduced. And, um, and our kids and our kids gain more and do, you know, they're on technology more. They need to get outside. They need that fresh air. Um, and so just being able to, um, have that flexibility is such a blessing. And, you know, honestly, this, this whole idea of being in a classroom with, um, kids, your own age, um, for seven hours a day, that doesn't actually represent real life, but home life represents real life. Like, when you're at home with your family, there's, there's relationship building, there's communication that's happening. There's teamwork that has to happen. There's, you know, conflict resolution. Um, I have a whole series on, um, sibling relationships, nurturing sibling relationships and Mm. all of that. So, um, so, you know, honestly, when people decide, when people do make that decision to homeschool, they usually, um, there were reasons that they made that decision. And so then I always say, well, if that wasn't actually working for your child, then why would you replicate it at home? Um, mainly because, um, you know, we want to do what's actually going to work for our kids. That doesn't mean there's no order. It doesn't mean we, we can't take some of the things from the public, the traditional public school setting that we like and put them into, you know, action in our home. Like I love the order. I love having order in my home and I love doing things in a certain order, or at least, you know, that's the plan. You know, we flex it up when we need to, but, um, but it, it really, I just love the idea that we can, we can design it to fit around the unique needs of our family. Yeah, I think that makes a big difference. And um, so you mentioned the boys, right? Like that the classroom setting might not be as ideal. um, And you have a lot of boys. So I'm curious Mm -hmm. what that might look like um, when you say that, like that uh, the boys, maybe not, they maybe they don't thrive as well in the classroom. What does that look like to you? Well, um, I'll start with what that means. They they tend to um, typically they're developmentally behind girls, especially in the early years and they do catch up, like they do, like they do even out later on, but they take a little bit longer to be uh, often to be ready for reading and writing and math and all of that. And, um, and so they're, they need, um, us to be patient with them and we need to recognize that they're wired very differently than girls. You know, like I said before, our boys needed to blow off energy. They Mm -hmm. have a lot of need to, to get uh, physical energy out. 
Um, usually when my boys would start provoking each other or yeah. provoking their sisters and all of that, <laughs> we needed to blow off some energy. Yeah. And so, you know, things like, you know, if they needed to read upside down on the couch, that was okay. Well, you can't do that in a classroom, right? Right. We sit on a medicine ball, listen to music, because um, a lot of times they need more than one thing going on at a time in order to focus. And so these aren't these aren't weaknesses. Um, these are actually um, strengths that come from this conquering spirit that most most boys have. And it, it kind of gets squelched when we're kind of asking them to sort of just be in more of a girl setting all day, mm. every day. We want them to be who God made them to be. And they're distinctly different and that's okay. We should encourage that. And so fast forward now, like I said, most of my boys are adults. Um, they're all you know, four of the boys are in their twenties and they have just thanked me so many times for letting them be boys, for letting them have the breaks that they needed for, um, you know, kicking them outside to play, you know, even yeah. when they didn't want to, <laughs> you know, stuff like that, making them work hard, you know, yeah. physical work is really good for them. They feel really good about themselves when they do it. Now they're going to howl and complain about it most more than likely once they start, but when the job is done, they feel really good about it. So all of those things can be encouraged instead of discouraged in a homeschool yeah. setting. Yeah. I had a guest on, um, I've only had two dads on my show. Um, and, and the first one, um, when he came on, he talked about raising men, not boys. And he right. talked about that they need to sweat, like they need to like work, you know what I mean? Like they are Mm -hmm. different than girls, like they need to have that. And so, um, when you said that it kind of triggered my brain, um, you know, not that boys are like dogs, but it just makes me think about bigger dogs. Like you, you have to like run them, right? Like they're not like lap dogs, like where the lap dogs get really tired and then you find yourself carrying them. Okay. No, like when you think about retrievers, they need, they're trying to retrieve something like they're, (laughs) that is like how they're built, right? They're, they're meant to go run, chase, grab, bring it back. And, um, so it's just different than like a smaller dog and all that kind of stuff. So when I'm just thinking about like girls versus boys and, and, and the needs that everybody has. And um, now, did you find that some of your girls also needed to get out or did you find that they just did better just sitting still doing the stuff like at a table and they were content with that. What, what were you? Yeah, they, what, what, were, they were much more content with okay. that. Um, yeah. They might go and, you know, do some drawing or, you yeah. know, something like that. Um, yep. The other thing I noticed that our boys did a lot and, and the girls hardly did any was Legos. Legos were huge at our house and they teach a lot of math skills. Um, yeah. So that's something that, you know, we encouraged, you know, is a lot is, yeah. is the creation of Lego. So those kinds of things are things you can mm-hmm. bring into your homeschooling day. And, um, you don't, you don't have to feel guilty about it because they're, they're learning kids. Kids are natural learners. This is something that I share in the unhurried homeschoolers. They're born, um, with a natural curiosity and a desire to learn. And you watch that happen as they learn to, you know, they, they, start to, you know, mimic your expressions. And then they, you know, they, they sit, they want to do the things that you're doing. They, they start to talk, they, and they do that by listening to you talk to them. Right. So that's how they learn. And so if we can just keep that, um, that idea in our minds that kids are actually natural learners. And if we, if we just encourage a healthy learning environment, they will learn 
quite naturally and quite a lot on their own. It's, they're really amazing. And, um, that's, that's something that I think we forget. We think, oh, they turned five. Okay. Bam. Now we got to hit the books, man. Cause right. <laughs> you know, we don't want to be behind. And well, guess what? They're finding out that kids who start too early, especially before they're ready and are pushed too hard, mm. actually end up behind later on. Interesting. So if you take a slower approach in the beginning, you're actually laying a better foundation. You want your kids to have a positive experience with learning and you want it to happen as naturally as possible. So they don't actually even know they're learning. Right. And so if we're going to keep those experiences positive, then, um, then we need to keep that learning environment very positive and, and as free from stress as possible. And it doesn't mean our kids never have to do something that they don't want to do. Um, right. but we, but especially in those early years, I chose, um, to those things that I wanted them to learn perseverance in, I chose like chores and, um, doing what I told them to do and things like that, instead of, you know, you have to learn to read, you know, in the next two weeks, you know, right. or whatever. So, yeah. 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 Well, and, and I've, um, you've, you've mentioned this a couple of times, so I wanted to jump into this. So what is your thoughts with going at a slower pace? Like, why do you feel like that is beneficial? Well, I feel like, you know, some kids do want to just get on it or sometimes they, they want to, they're super excited to start and then their excitement sort of dies. And then the parent panics, like for instance, reading, you know, they're like, Oh yeah, mommy, I want to read. Cause we're excited about it. We're like, Oh, you want to learn how to read? They're like, yeah, we want to learn how to read. And cause they want to please us, you know, and we don't, you don't always know if they're just excited because we're excited or if they actually really want to do this. So you get started, you start reading and, um, and then maybe you're, you know, four or five lessons into it and, and you see them losing interest and you're thinking, oh no, this is not good. You know, and we panic. I did this with our oldest daughter. Um, and that was one of the situations that I can say after that, I was, uh, more, re- much more relaxed. Um, but she, you know, I told myself I wasn't going to push her. I wasn't going to, you know, force reading if she didn't want to do it. I, I we weren't going to push, you know, I was going to give her space and margin and all of that. So, but I did the opposite, you know? we started reading and she was doing really well. And then all of a sudden she kind of started getting frustrated and, and I could see she wasn't enjoying it at all. And, um, and I, and, and I just kept pushing and then her little big brown eyes just got filled up with tears. And all of a sudden I realized (laughs) I had just done what I said I wouldn't do. And I looked at her and I said, you did a great job. We'll just do that. We'll pick this up some other time when, whenever you're ready. And so the next day I said, you know, are you, are you ready? Do you want to sit down and do a reading lesson? No. I said, okay, that's fine. And, and eventually she did. And she is, you know, a wonderful reader, but I, if I had just been driving her, I don't, you know, I think I would have just burnt her out and she would not have loved reading like she does. And so, um, especially in those early years, I think it's just, we don't, we don't, we, none of us learns well under stress, right? We know that half our brain shuts off whenever we're stressed out. So why are, would our kids be any different? Like we want to keep that learning experience as fun and as positive as possible. And Um, you know, so I think that that's really kind of the, my heart behind it is just, you watch them, you know, them, you know, and you just gauge by how they're responding and we just tune into our kids and then, and we kind of have a, a better clue as to when they're ready and when they're not. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, so the next question, you know, kind of goes along with stressed out parents, um, you know, and, 
the curriculum, especially mm-hmm. as they get older, you know, that you want to make sure they are doing what they need to do, especially to get into college. So, you know, um, we're, we're almost at the end of the show, but I wanted to ask this because I do think this floats around in people's brains. And I know people who do homeschool and they are actually switching curriculums. Like they've been doing something um, and then they're kind of like, you know what, we need to move into something else. Maybe they need something that's a little bit more challenging because they weren't doing um, something before and now the kids are getting older. So what are your thoughts on curriculums and you know, what is your best advice to parents in regards to not stressing out? Because I would imagine um, since I don't homeschool, I would imagine there's a lot of pressure that is on your shoulders to make sure that you're picking the right curriculum and are they going to learn and are they going to be well-equipped to go into college and not feel like they're behind? So what what has your 20 years of uh, homeschooling wisdom taught you? <laughs> yes, 45 now and we're still oh, okay, going. Okay, gotcha. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yes, yeah, it all, all becomes a blur after a while, right? <laughs> So um, I would say that curriculum can matter, but not as much as you think. Everybody wants that, that golden egg. They want someone to say, this is the curriculum that will turn your child into a prodigy or make sure that your child gets into college. There is no such curriculum. Um, If it's not a good fit um, for you or your child, you are ultimate, none of you are going to benefit from it. We have to understand, like I can pick a curriculum, even that's great for my child, but horrible for me. Okay. I have, you know, and I can take that curriculum and maybe adjust it so that it's, it's more doable for me. I guess what I want to say is, um, any curriculum, just about any curriculum can be used if it's, if it's used well, Mm. um, we can take, um, something that's complicated because a lot of times, I don't know about you, but I'm that kind of more that type A where when someone, when I get a curriculum and it Mm. says, um, you know, A, B, C, D, E, and F, well then darn it, we're going to do A, B, C, D, E, and F. And what I figured out very early on was, um, I could likely go through that list and pick and choose, uh, cross off some things that I know aren't going to work for me mm. and they're not going to work for my child. Okay. Yeah. So we can use pieces, the best pieces of curriculum, um, and make them work for our family. So it's really about knowing your child. Um, you know, a lot of times I think it's important to understand, you know, whether they learn better audit, you know, through hearing or seeing or doing that kind of thing. Um, that's important. It's not like absolutely, you know, the number one thing, but it it is important to know, you know, how do they best take in information if you're trying to get information inputted. But the thing with learning is um, real education isn't just inputting information and then this, them spitting it back out. That's not really education. You know, education is growing lifelong learners, right? We want our kids to, we're going to always be needing to learn. So what we don't want to do is burn our kids out on learning on what they think is learning. So we can easily do that if we're, um, you know, choosing a curriculum that's way too complicated, takes way too much time. Look at your kid, watch your kid. How are they doing with what you're doing right now? Um, one thing I do want to say is I want to speak to the parent who is either doing remote learning or in thinking about homeschooling or has started, and maybe you're just doing the boxed version. You know what? That is okay. If that's working for you right now, just stick with that. Because um, I always think about it like if you're 
if you're baking a cake, what's the first thing you do? You don't, you don't start out making the cake from scratch, right? You buy a boxed cake mix. And pretty soon you made that enough times you realize, well, there's just flour and cocoa and mm. these new ingredients. I can do this myself, right? So you grow, we grow, we grow along the way as we homeschool. So um, I would say, don't look for the perfect curriculum because what can end up happening is you switch curriculums too much. And then you're, you find out your child really didn't learn anything uh, over the course of that time because we, they need consistency. But I would say, just make sure that they are getting the basics, you know, addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, um, fractions, decimals, you know, those basic things can take them into any higher math. They just have to know those basics, right? So that's where you want to start is making sure they've got, they've mastered those and they've gotten those down. And then, you know, of course, reading, you know, we want them to be reading well and comprehending and things like that. So there's a million different ways you could do that. And um, I remember when our kids were young, um, when we first started, I just went to Costco and got workbooks. That's what I used because oh, all, yeah. uh-huh. all they're learning is how to write their numbers and their letters. And we would read books together and we would go to the library and um, maybe I'd get, you know, some, I use my hundred easy lessons to teach your child to read. And, you know, that was kind of the, that was it. That's what we did in those first few years. And it worked great. My kids are fine. You know, <laughs> so the curriculum isn't going to make or break it. Um, obviously, you're going to want to be prayerful and, and thoughtful about what you choose. But the main thing is, how is your child responding to it? Mm. You know, um, how are they doing with it? You know, sometimes they're challenged at first. And once they get the rhythm, they're good. So don't give up too soon. Um, but at the same time, if it's clear that it's just like they're struggling and it's just like, my girls hated Saxon math. They hated Saxon math. Mm. But my, you know, like three or four of our boys loved it. They That's were like, this is so great. You know, wow. and I was like, okay. And the girls were like, Dick, ew, burn that thing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> So um, often I know I found for us that simplicity was key because mm. it leaves room for questions. It leaves room for creativity. We want to be able to take those bunny trails. You know, if yeah. we loaded our morning down with too many, too many things we have to do, we don't get to, you know, if they find something interesting in, in a, you know, something they're reading and they want to pursue that, we want to be able to give them that margin. And so this is part of the unhurried homeschooling idea is that we we build margin into our days so that our kids um, have time to, you know, take those bunny trails and yeah. have time to play in the afternoons and pursue hobbies and interests and things like that. Yeah. I think that makes such a big difference. Now, as you, um, as you kept going and you, because you had eight kids, so you could really kind of figure this out as you went, right? It's, it's not like you had yes. two and then you're like, oh man, on that fourth kid, I bet you I would have really figured that out. <laughs> um, is there something that stood out to you as we close? Was there something that stood out to you that you knew you needed to change that you were kind of like, okay, like this isn't helping us and I really want to change direction with the rest of the kids or, or did you not really ever have that moment? Um, you know, every year was different. Okay. I- that every year I had to go through each child and say, okay, what worked well last year and why did it work? Do we Mm. want to keep going with that particular curriculum? Um, And I would actually have the conversation with the kids as well. This is another thing I didn't bring up when I was talking about curriculum earlier. I often would just, I I didn't just make the decision. I would talk with my kids Mm. about it. What is it about this that isn't working for you? Mm. And and they would, they would, it's amazing when you ask enough questions, 
and you finally get to the right questions, they give you the answers and they can actually help you decide. Oh, I love because it. Because they're going to tell you, oh, well, it, I'm realizing that it doesn't work for me to do it this way, but I could do it this way. Mm. It would work. And so now you've got them owning their education yeah, and involved, which is fantastic and taking responsibility for it and also problem solving. And you've, you've also grown the relationship with them because you've said, Hey, I care about how you do it with this. You know, if this isn't working for you, I'm on your side, I'm on your team and we're going to work together to figure this out so that you can, um, so that you can overcome this and we can, we can move forward and you can find something that works for you. I'm, I'm working with you. You know, I'm not just setting things in front of you and saying, here, you have to do this. Um, this is a conversation. This is an ongoing conversation. Yeah. I like that. That's a good point. And I feel like people may feel like they, they need to carry that all as the parents, but I think that's really right. great to talk right. about that. Kind of like how your girls were saying that they ha- like hated that part of math, but then mm-hmm. y- your boys were like, this is awesome. It just, right. it really does show you not everyone learns the same and that you kind of found it was kind of a gender thing that like the girls, maybe their brains just don't think the same way as the boys that actually liked right. that, that program or whatever. Um, right. Right. And so the, kids learned, the yeah. kids learned that, you know, that everybody's different yep. and that that's okay. You know, that they, they learned also how they learn, which yeah. is a huge part of growing lifelong learners. Cause my kids will go, you know, don't hand them a big textbook. We all like get our knees buckle when we oh, look at yeah. it. When you get so overwhelmed. We, yeah, we can't <laughs> do it. So I never ordered anything that had a big, huge textbook, you know, it's yeah. just not You're happening. Like, no. <laughs> right. Right. And, um, but my kids learned, you know, now they know as adults how they learn. And so they have continued to educate themselves. Yeah. Um, lots of different things. And that's, that's awesome. what we really want. That's what we really want at the end of the day. Yeah. Th- I love that. Well, Dorinda, I could keep talking to you about this because I do think there's just, I mean, cause you can go down so many avenues mm-hmm. and trying to brainstorm and all that, but, um, you know, we are trying to keep this to a certain time frame. but, um, I appreciate you coming on the show and I'm super excited to have you come back on in the summer to talk about your new book. Um, if you want to, uh, give us a little bit of a teaser, I would love for you to do that. Sure. Um, you know, a few of the things I talked about today are included in that book, but it's really um, me taking uh, the hand of a parent and walking them through um, sort of redefining education and really broadening our view of what education is. And all of a sudden, I, I just, I just have this really good feeling that parents are going to begin to see homeschooling as an adventure yeah. instead of a drag and something that's just, you know, a burden. It, it's, it's going to be something um, positive and uh, an adventure with their families and, and also a really awesome way to grow um, a cohesive, strong family. And um, I think we could, you know, we all want that for our families. Yeah. I love that. Well, I can't wait to have you back on, but it was wonderful talking to you today. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, you guys, thanks so much for listening to the show. Just a reminder, if you are interested in coaching with me, you can set up a free consultation today at amber at mominspiredshow.com. Reach out to me. Here's the thing. Your personal development is a journey, and I'm excited to partner with you, offer insight and practical tools for change, growth, and understanding to achieve the results in your life. So if you're feeling like your life is too small for you and you just feel a little bit stagnant or uninspired, maybe you feel bored with your life. This is what I'm here for. Let 
let's go after your goals in 2021 and create the life that you always wanted. All right, you guys have a good week. 